From the Bob Marley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplug Roundtable Discussion for the week of September 21st, 2011 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, Walter Eccles, Kathy Whirling, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi, Therese Eccles, and Max the Intern back in the Peanut Gallery. We are, uh, this is a continuation of our uh, trip report on our Adventures by Disney City of Nights and Lights with an exclusive Disneyland Paris add-on trip. Wow, that's a long name for a... That is. You can have um, an acronym or something cool. Yeah, uh, that we had uh, done earlier this month. Uh, in our last episode, we discussed uh, our time in London. We're now going to talk about our time in Paris. As important as London was to me is as important as Paris was to Kevin. Um Getting to Paris was a matter of taking the Eurostar. And this is one of the areas where I probably my largest complaint about this trip, and there are very few, my largest complaint about this trip was in how the Eurostar was explained to us. Um, words like first class and waiting in the lounge <laughs> were not said just once. Uh-oh. In the days leading up to this, it was said many, many times. First class accommodations on the Eurostar, waiting in the lounge while everyone else boards, and then we just get right on, and all this other stuff. <laughs> and uh, the fact of the matter was, it was uh, not correct. First of all, there is no first class on the Eurostar. There is basically what boils down to economy, premium economy, and business class. And we were in premium economy, uh, not business class. The lounge, and this is what upset me because, you know, they kept saying we'll be waiting in the lounge, waiting in the lounge, waiting in the lounge. Well, we went through security and everything while our guides were had stayed back to make sure everyone got through. And I saw the business class lounge. And went up with my ticket and was turned away and said, you don't hold a business class ticket, which was very embarrassing um, because we're told first class lounge, first class lounge. And for any reasonable person that has not lived under a rock for 20 years, first class accommodations and lounge mean a certain thing. And by lounge, they meant the general boarding area. Really? Yes. They said that's what people call it. Well, that's what it. they call it. I said, I don't really don't care what they call it. It's not what we call You're it. not talking to them. Yeah. You're talking to us. And when you say lounge, we think of a lounge. We don't think of a general waiting area. It's like saying the waiting area outside your gate is the first class lounge. Yeah. No, it's not. It's the general boarding area. And we were right there with everyone. Getting onto the train, there was no, you know, we're held back and in this nice lounge, everybody else gets on, and then we, you know, it was none of that. We were there with the rest of them getting on. Um, and, you know, it wasn't a bad ride. It wasn't an uncomfortable ride. I didn't have any problems with it. Had they explained yeah. exactly what it was, 
this would not have I, this wouldn't even be discussed. But they didn't, and I said to them, I made it really clear, you need to knock that off because that's the sort of thing a used car salesman does, and it's not becoming of Adventures by Disney. They didn't um, need to oversell it either. They didn't. Right. They didn't. And I understand the the difference between that premium economy ticket and the business class ticket was double the price. It was like 200 and some odd pounds for one way. Um, so it was not inexpensive, and that was fine. Don't, don't tell me first class. You're going to tell me first class. I've traveled first class. I right. know what first class looks like. And now you've automatically... You've automatically not met my expectations simply because you're trying to make – just because you just de- describe it one way right. isn't going to – you know. You're disappointed for no reason. You're disappointed for no reason. Yeah, they so, raised your expectations. Exactly. And I was, you know, I was pissed off and I was, you know, kind of making it clear that <laughs> – I have to tell you, I found the entire thing much less romantic than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, again, because they romanticize it. Well, and don't I had romanticized it even without listening to them. I figured I was going to go zipping through the English countryside till I got to the water. Then I was going to go into a tunnel and I was going to zip through the French countryside. You basically are in a big concrete ditch for most of the ride. Yeah, it's not. Oh. You really yeah. don't see a whole lot once you come out of the tunnel in France. You go through farmland, and there are some beautiful little villages off to the side, but for the most part. It looks like what a train ride looks concrete like. Trench, right. yeah. It's you're in a concrete and, ditch. You know, again, not an uncomfortable ride. There was nothing wrong with it. No, and they served um, snacks, and they served horrifying, water. horrifyingly bad coffee. <laughs> um, well, and there was a a, ch- a table, and we were facing each other, so you could some sit there and talk to people. Some okay. seats really faced nice. each other with a table. Some seats we were in a, just in a row by ourselves. Now John had a single seat on one side of the train, and I was in a seat with Matt on the other side of the train. But I was surprised at how large the seats large were. The seats were. were. They were okay. they, again. You know, I, I have. It has nothing to do with the actual experience. It was what was, it was built up to be. It was a very fast ride, I thought, too. And I'm not talking about the speed you went. Those two hours disappeared pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. I could have – I was were, hoping to get a nap in. And by the time you chatted for thought, a while, yeah. it was over. Yeah. And I thought, well, that I was ready to take a nap now that I had done chatting, and I've got to get off. Yeah, John. I want to just go back a minute. On our way to the station – which is like St. Pancreas or St. Spleen. St. Pancreas. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's no E. I thought it was St. Spleen for a while. You go to this, and this is the station where the um, area for Harry Potter is, the Harry Potter station where he yeah, goes. Yeah, in the, in, the, in, the, in the books and the movies, you know, oh, okay. the train station he, that, that he goes to to take the train to Hogwarts is St. Pancras. Okay. And so they have a platform, platform, platform nine and three quarters. So they took us, whoever wanted to go see it, we could go over as a group to go see it. Now, which group do you think I was in? <laughs> I went with the group to go see it. It was no big deal. It was nothing fantastic, but it was something to go see. However, we have to talk to these guides about their definition of a short walk. <laughs> We're going to take a short walk. We literally walked back to the hotel, I think. <laughs> it was crazy. That was a g- giant area, so if you got off... Somewhere you would walk quite a ways to get it back was, to where you were. It was were. crazy, and it was really nothing fantastic. But people had their pictures taken, so if you're into that, that's something to look forward to. Also, that was one of those things that people were planning to do on their own anyway while they were in London. And so, Adventures by Disney does this for you, so you don't have to go out of your way and take a cab there and oh, try okay. to go and see really the right. Now, how about now when we did the train when we were out in California? Yeah, California. 
there was Wi-Fi on the train. Did they have anything like that? No. No, there was no Wi-Fi. There was a plug if you wanted to plug something in. But you had to have your adapter. Right. Oh, okay. This became a topic of conversation and then they, in the car I was in. It was it was okay. I it mean, was I, I liked it. It, it was it was a perfectly fine train yeah. ride, really and truly. They don't need to change it. They just need to describe it the way it is, not put words like first class and lounge out there. They got to yeah. stop that. How long did it take? It was about two hours. Two hours. It was about two hours. It so it wasn't was quick. Two hours from London to Paris. Yeah, about two. That's hours. amazing. Yep. That's why I built underwater it. twenty-eight minutes. Yep. Ooh. And it. Actually, um, this train actually continues on to Disneyland Paris. I mean, you can go right to Disneyland Paris, and it stops like dead in the middle of the resort. Yeah. Oh, really? So, yeah. I mean, there's no you don't have to like take a bus anywhere when you get off the train. I mean, it stops; wow. and it's right there. So, but we, of course, were going into the city of Paris, and uh, one of the first things I noticed about Paris versus London was that it was quite a bit dirtier than London was. There was a lot more trash on the streets. Um, where London was, you know, very clean. It was, you know, there was a, a more of a city feel to London and, or to Paris, and and I I have to be honest. Going in, you know, I grew up with a father who fought in the Second World War and was actually in Paris when the war ended, and I grew up with stories of, you know, how the French treated. American servicemen at the end of the war and how awful they were to us after we basically saved them. Um, and so I have always had a dislike of the French, having never experienced it again. This is one of those things you learn. You know, you hear your father talk about it when mm-hmm. you're four years old and five and 10 and 15 and 20 and 25 and 30. And, you know, it's kind of ingrained in you that, you know, the French are no good. And, uh, you know, Paris was no good. And, you know, that was what I was always raised with. So going in, my attitude was Paris is the price I have to pay to get to Disneyland Paris. (laughs) 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 Um, And so, you know, I was cracking jokes, you know, like there were 28 of us arriving in Paris. I'm assuming the French will surrender as soon as we arrive. (laughs) Um you know, the number of times I said to myself or even out loud, you, you jackasses would be speaking German if it wasn't for us. Um, that was kind of my attitude going in. Um, but uh, I knew that Kevin was so excited. Can I just say, too, the first thing I noticed when we got out of the station was the architecture. And it was like we had moved. I, I said to the guys, they said, we're not in Paris. You built this set. It was so beautiful. It's- I want you to know something. I was enchanted the minute I stepped outside of Gare du Nord. It was, there were street cafes. It was, I was enchanted. So it was everything you wished for and more? It was a hundred times better than I had hoped it would be. And maybe it's that thing where you have, you know, beer goggles or you have Paris goggles. I didn't think it was dirty. There was a homeless man. On the street. No, I wasn't even talking about that. I just noticed that there was a lot of papers. I'm saying, I think papers we had that idea in our heads. I went into so Paris cool. knowing that they were all going to be rude to me and still willing to love them for it. I met nothing but the nicest people, the oh, most friendly nice. people. I was told you had to say bonjour when you walked into, that was for a vet. She made fun of me the entire time I was near her because of my, tri- my attempts at French. Uh, 
people were very polite. They, they seemed excited that you were in the store. They, I loved it. I ran into two unfriendly people. One was a cab driver, and I called him a really vulgar name right to his face, and I was in the front seat with him and told him in English that he wasn't getting a tip. His entire attitude changed. And I ran into a woman at Disneyland Paris who was out and out rude, and she was Dutch. See, and, and I, that was an event. And I'll, and, I'll tell, and I'll tell you something. My experience was uh, very similar, except I did not run across any rude people. Now, the only thing is, a, a queue line has different meaning to French. It's yeah. like, it's a queue line for you, but I can walk to the front it's if you'll let me. It's a suggestion that they're not taking. Yeah. Yes. So, um, we get, so you have to watch that. We get out of the train station, and we go to our bus that's waiting for us. A luxury coach is waiting for us. Very nice. And we get a little tour of this. A little bit tour of the we city. We go past the, uh, the, the the Paris Opera House, and um, mm. you know uh, we, we we pass. Uh, I believe we pass by the Arc de Triomphe right. at one point, and all these different places, and they're pointing them out to us as we're on the bus. And then they stop at a the Trocadero. At uh, the Trocadero, which is the Trocadero is a large marble plaza. Up on a hill overlooking the park that leads up to the Eiffel Tower. So you have this grand vista. Now, I have to tell you, I kind of lost my cool on this place. I told a couple of people. I had a best friend most of my life. I knew him long more of my life than I didn't. And when we didn't have two dimes to rub together, we used to plan our trips to Paris. And we... We had made a promise that we wouldn't go to Paris without each other. And last year he died. And his name is Michael. Michael Wagner. And he died. So going to Paris, I told John this, but it was kind of just, I brushed it under the rug. I had this almost feel of guilt that I was going to Paris without Michael. And I stood there looking at the Eiffel Tower. It was the first place that we had gotten out of the bus. And I just lost it. It was like, I'm here. I'm here. And you're not. And I think a lot of people were kind of feeling emotional while they were standing there. And all of a sudden, while we were there, I'm sitting there thinking, I wish I could share this with you, even if I'd just been calling you and telling you. And while we were standing there, this gust of wind came up so hard that it was almost hard to stand up. It could have, it moved you. It was so hard. And I was standing next to somebody who... um, was feeling something very similar who hadn't said anything. And I said, I think Michael's here. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think my Michael's here too. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things that it was one of the most, it was really emotional. It was incredible to just, that's where they decided to just stop and say, listen, here is your first view of Paris. You have this spectacular shot of the Eiffel Tower. It was incredible. It was. It was an absolutely beautiful view. Of the Eiffel Tower, and we had about ten minutes. I think they let, let us, you know, walk around and take our pictures. And they, t- you know, as Adventures by Disney always does, they're taking pictures of each family with the Eiffel Tower in the background, which was really, really cool. It was gorgeous because um, the guides are always guides are always taking pictures, their own pictures with the Adventures by Disney camera, and they're also like grabbing your camera and taking pictures yeah. of you with your camera. We get back on the bus and we walk over. To this, uh, or we, we drive over to this park, which uh, if you wanted to, you could walk the 15 minutes through the park 
And, uh, yeah, Kevin is showing these guys the view of the Eiffel Tower from the promenade or from the Trocadero. Um, if you wanted, you could uh, take the 15-minute walk through the park over to the Louvre. The Tuileries or, Gardens. Or you could stay on the bus and uh, drive over. We decided to walk. And I just want you all to know, you walkers to know, that where the bus parked, we walked further than you walked through the Tuileries <laughs> Park. And it wasn't nice. It and wasn't like no gardens. And it was lovely. You know, the walk through the gardens was lovely. It was and nice. We had lots of marble statues. Um, down toward the end of it, there was a mock uh, Arc de Triomphe, a small mm. Arc de Triomphe, but it was, you know. Um, and then, you know, the building that is the Louvre is just breathtaking. This is a picture of the mini arc. Yep. There is, I think a lot of people think of the Louvre as just being that glass triangle mm-hmm. that you saw in Angels and Demons and some movies. I mean, it is a spectacularly, spectacular, huge. The huge Louvre was there. originally a palace. Right. And each successive king has added a wing to make it their own. And eventually it stopped being the palace and it's become now a museum. That picture that you have in there of you in the Louvre. You just have that look on your face like, I can't believe that I'm here. I think it's, I can't believe there's no elevators or escalators in oh. all of Paris. <laughs> and they don't have a freaking air conditioner. Yeah. It yeah. was really? about 130 degrees in the Louvre. It was pretty crazy. It's warm inside, no matter where you go. If it's warm outside, it's going to be hot inside. Now, unfortunately, um, we had only an hour uh, to spend in the Louvre. And we did have a guided tour. We, have, we had guides with us who were taking us through. Um, Did they, like, run you through? Um, I wouldn't say run us through. They took us only to, like, all the highlights. Okay. There was also two groups. They let us, who were going slower, go with one guide, and the re- everybody else went with another guide. Okay. So you guys covered more ground than we did. But we all saw the same highlights. We saw you know, the, the, the Mona Lisa, Lisa uh, of course. Um, uh, Winged Victory was there, uh, Venus de Milo. So you have... You know, to me, this was an opportunity to see the masters. Oh, yeah. To get close to these pieces that you thought in your life you'd never, ever get to see. And at first, coming through it, I'm like, okay, for someone like me who really is a mouth-breathing neophyte when it comes to, you know, art and all that stuff, it just doesn't, you know, doesn't spark anything in me. Oh, really? This is one Um, really small gallery. It's... And it's... Picture after picture. Right. Um you know, for me, um, you know, at the at, at first, at the end of it, I'm like, okay, an hour was good enough for me here. Subsequently, though, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, yeah, you know, I really probably would have liked another, you know, a half a day at least. It's one of those things that you'll never see at all. It's like Disney World. Right. You could never see it all in no. right. Yeah, you right. try to soak as much in as possible. I also have a I also have a comment about this part of the the thing is that they. they give you a guide and your guide is there and the guide is talking about the pictures and look at the way this is it's supposed to make you feel happy and sad and the clouds and blah blah I don't enjoy art that way I want to enjoy art my way yeah, yeah. this she interpreted she it for us didn't yeah. do that I well you know and that, they were doing that with the Mona Lisa and this is why I was kind of getting a little you know like okay shut up right exactly um, you that's know, the way I felt, I felt like um, I first of all first of all and I realize you know I've got an art major sitting right across the table from me who's going to gasp but I'm looking at the Mona Lisa going, what's the big deal? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> what's the big deal? Honest to God. Why? She's not particularly attractive. I mean. <laughs> See, I appreciate I art. Mean, like from the. She um, looks, you know, she looks like a frumpy, fat uh, French housewife. It's now, the importance. Yeah, it's, the, guide, it's the history. It's, it's the, the importance of this painting. And what, our guide. It, it's history. Right? 
knew who the Mona Lisa was, where she lived, <laughs> where her relatives lived. Yeah. And I'm standing behind her with the rest of our group. Her going, son was a bag boy at Costco. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Kevin had an argument with our guy. I, I told her that. I basically told her in a very nice way that she was full of French crap. You're full of merde. <laughs> That's what you are. I think merde means something else. No, it means poop. I like to step back from these pieces and then get about five inches away well, and look at the... I know you can't do it with that happen. one, but there are, there are some pieces where you can. Just you know, knowing look, how old I, they are I, I, and getting so I, close you know, to I, it. And, I appreciated it for its age, but I thought there were pieces in there that were far more spectacular. Well, art is a subjective art thing. Right. You were supposed mm-hmm. to get what you And I just, you know, like I said, so, you know, but again, you know, that experience is really wasted on someone like me. It's just not my thing. Now, there was a time I felt like to sound sophisticated and act sophisticated, I had a feign interest in this stuff. And I'm at a point in my life where I just can't be bothered doing that. Mona is behind three panes of it's glass. It's on a first name basis. <laughs> well, then we, get, I'm on, sure wait, she we is. get on the bus later and we're driving past the side of the Louvre and they said, you see that window? That's the Mona Lisa gallery. And I thought, they could have held that sucker up to the window and saved us a tr- <laughs> troop through there. Yeah. Um, um, it's behind three panes of glass, and then there's a little railing around the floor. You don't get within like 20 feet of the Oh, I'm sure that one. And there's a crowd. There's such a about, history with that one. About 40 people deep. It's, yeah. it's also smaller. It's, it's much smaller small. than oh. any of these posters. Yeah, small. Yes. Um, but are you glad now that you got oh, the absolutely. high Absolutely. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. I was really glad we stopped there. And as we get to the next day. Before well, you go, before yeah, you leave well, the Louvre, well, I was appalled. I was unaware that there's an Apple store in the basement of the Louvre. Which I <laughs> dropped to my knees and worshipped. <laughs> Appalled that in this temple of art, yeah, that is a, there's a, a virgin megastore and an Apple. Wow. Yeah, down in the, bo- yeah, in the basement. Yep. Oh, actually, and I brought chocolate. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> finally, Teresa's paying attention. It was a nice way to uh, I have had some, start our- but I didn't put any back in after I bet them. <laughs> Did you squeeze any? Ooh, look what's in here. Oh, that's right. He got... So... I never tried any. So you get to see the major pieces. You also get to see some other art. And depending on who your guide is, you get some different information along the way. There's other important pieces in there. There's a piece that um, is Leonardo da Vinci's first attempt at... um, Portraiture. Portraiture, where he changed the way people were doing pictures at the time. Now, I'm I'm passing out this, this depth. Just so you know, this box of chocolate actually came from the basement of the Louvre. Um, it's old chocolate or what? No, it came from the stores in the Louvre. Oh. And then I have Westminster Abbey chocolate. We ate ours already. That's funny. Oh, and wow. I have no, Crown Jewel really? chocolate. No, we didn't <laughs> pass eat ours already. Oh, no, I ate ours already. So. Oh. Oh, my. Okay. So there are stores and there's a mall. I need to try the basement chocolate. Okay, and there's Wait, a store in the, mo- in, the, in the bottom of the museum. There's also uh, a food court there. So when your day is done there, you don't really have to. If you, this wasn't interesting you, to you, we had a place where we were all going to meet. Oh, okay. And sort of get together and meet. So you could have met everybody down there. From there. From there, we took uh, the bus back to the hotel. Um, and the hotel that we stayed in was the uh, Hilton Arc de Triomphe. Which would lead you to believe that you could see the Arc de Triomphe mm-hmm. from this hotel, which no. you cannot because it's about five blocks away. <laughs> but uh, it's a Hilton, which immediately in my mind is like, okay, it's a Hilton. You know, it's a crapshoot. We could walk into something gra- great or something awful. And it actually was a very nice hotel. It was nice. Now, again, 
signature fragrance. I'm going with jasmine, lilac. And armpit. And armpit. <laughs> Stop. There was, I am convinced in this case, this hotel was, uh, uh, they were uh, covering up a mildew problem. Now, every room, every, the, the, the rooms, the hotel, all had a very, again, not, I, I can't say it was like overpowering to the point where it was like, oh my God. But it was really noticeable. It was really, really noticeable. Wow. Now, with that, that. with that said, um, this hotel was an Art Deco masterpiece. But not from the outside. Not from the outside. The outside looked like 70s Brady Bunch office building. It was horrible <laughs> from the outside. But inside, Art Deco, down to every detail. I mean, glamorous, elegant Art Deco. Um, Erte paintings uh, hanging all over the hotel. Um, there was a thing in our room that I thought, I'm never going to be able to fit this in a carry-on. It was a buffet that the TV sat on. had all the bubbles all over it. Yeah, that was nice. And I thought, I want this. That was huge. <laughs> and, yeah, well, we actually, we were the only ones, Walter and I, I think because, I honestly believe because I was bitching about the Eurostar and a the lot. fact they told me it was going to be first class of the lounge and I, they knew I was upset. Um, we had a two-room, uh, a two-room suite, with a big balcony, and I think there was like four four rooms in this place that had balconies, and we had one of them. Mm. Um, it was very nice. Now we were very excited about our room. Also, we had a standard hotel room. It was positively wonderful, comfortable bed, big room. Our bathroom was all, all marble, but in Paris we had a walk-in shower, so we didn't have to do the bathtub of death. Now. You know, speaking of the bathrooms, you know that hose on the sink in the kitchen? Okay? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Would you wash the dishes with the hose? With the, the spra- yeah. mm-hmm. Now imagine using that to clean your ass. <laughs> Good Lord. Every bathroom in the place had that kitchen hose, like it's in your sink, but it was on the toilet. On the side, yeah. Really? Did it have a lot of water pressure? Or I don't didn't try it. I wasn't going to touch it. I didn't touch it. I knew where it had been. It was actually like being kissed by kittens. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering what kind of pressure you could get going. John was in the bathroom a long time. <laughs> He's going to have a wonderful time in other parts of Europe. I can't wait. To, yeah, when you it was like a long attached hose. Yes. Correct. Was I this in lieu of... Picture. Toilet paper? No, no. It was no. a bidet. It was, well, I know they well, bidet. It was a ghetto bidet. Okay. <laughs> in lieu of a bidet. Um, it was to rinse your dishes. Is what it was <laughs> what? Those little glasses they give you in the hotel room, that's how you clean them out. So, yeah, no, there was, uh, if I I, I, I if had a hazmat suit on, I wouldn't be touching that thing. I'm like, I know where it's been. I'm not touching that. Um, Our bathroom. It's not for doing internal stuff. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's close enough. You know, sound like an enema or something. Like. Madame Curie had was using that to clean herself after she went. I'm not touching it. Our bathroom was spectacular. Yeah. It was all this. It was sort of it, it, the rooms veined were, marble, black veined marble. It was gorgeous. Our, our it was gorgeous. Overlooked this beautiful courtyard. It was, we overlooked Pete's balcony. We had. <laughs> And the hose. <laughs> and we had our Welcome to Paris dinner uh, there at the hotel. Beautiful setup out in a courtyard. Mm. Oh, it was beautiful. 
and food that was positively amazing. I mean, absolutely spectacular. That was a really lovely evening. Food. It was a Especially fabulous for dinner. Evening. You always got wine and dined. It was always nice. Now, they had the thing that was our ruin at dinner that night. John and I are trying to eat better. We're trying to watch what we eat, and we discovered French butter. Oh, I, thought- I have to tell you something. It's better than anything I've ever eaten. <laughs> it seemed that everybody I was sitting with, it was like putting butter on everything. It was really, really the good. flowers. Really? I was licking it off the knife. So we got how home. Was it compared it's to richer. Our they put sea salt in it. It's like full fat, creamy, creamy butter, and then they put sea salt in it, and then I don't know what else. Hmm. The best thing sounds than good. Than crack. I think mm-hmm. they were crack. And you know how we get little tiny butter pats? Mm-hmm. Each butter pat was like a quarter of a pound. Sure, and it like, wasn't foie gras. Every, no, we had foie gras. <laughs> oh, and then God. everywhere you went. Every, I don't know about you guys, but every meal we had in, in Paris, the bread was incredible. Yeah, it was very good bread. Now, <sighs> I do have a foie gras story. We're going to get there. I'm addicted. Okay, well, wait. <laughs> I have a foie okay. gras so story. So we had this. It was a wonderful incredible meal. Dinner, yeah. It was an absolutely wonderful meal. And, you know, this is now the midpoint of this trip. And, you know, everybody's really feeling the... Uh, I think everybody was really feeling the epic scope of this of this adventure um, because they realized that we're halfway through and the best is yet to come. I mean, for all of us, or for most of us anyway, uh, Disneyland Paris was that you know that carrot. was the that was the carrot at the end of the stick. Um, I was the odd man out here. <laughs> the next day, we uh. went. And this is a, and this is a day, and I told this to them. This is a day. I think they they can just go ahead and redo now because yes. uh, we went to the palace at Versailles. Um, and I got to be honest with you, it looked like Liberace on steroids. Mm. Okay, after you see another room, everything gilded and everything gold. looks the ceiling the same. painted. It's like okay, I got it. After and like six of yeah. them, John and Kevin the the night before had come up to me and said, you know, they had made alternate plans. They saw Buckingham Palace, seen one, you seen them all, <laughs> and they were going to go do something else that day. And did I want to join them? And I said no, I wanted to go to Versailles, and. Uh, I should have stuck with them because Versailles. I mean, it was beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but but you went. This, to say you went. This was the sole destination that day. That was the only thing we were doing that day, and there was so much more in France. There would have I been would a lot rather have seen. To have yeah, yeah um, there's a lot more. I'm going to wait till they're done. Yeah, until our and, but but also could, that day was breakfast in the hotel. And then Versailles, and then you had lunch. Well, right. Let me. I'm getting to. Oh, that. I'm sorry. I thought you were. No, I'm getting to that. Um, and it was humid, disgustingly hot room after humid, disgustingly hot room. It was a cattle drive. With everything was gold and gaudy, and I'm sorry, I don't find any of it attractive. I think it's just, you know, if you're having economic problems in your country, you know. Melt down the gate, the yeah. gate that's made of solid gold. Melt, you know. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I realize there are people out there whose heads are going to explode. Here There's a that. historical thing to it. I, that's how I felt in Buckingham <laughs> Palace. But after you've seen one, 
Yeah, well, and and it was it it was boring. I it was found the it, same thing over and over and over again. So I found it boring. I found it uh, unnecessary. And at the very least, I think Adventures by Disney should offer people an uh, an alternative. How long if did it one take group, you to get there? If one group wants to go do Versailles, it's about forty minutes. If one group wants to go do Versailles, another group wants to go do something else. They should kind of make that make that an option. Now, however, I have to speak for those who aren't here. Several of the people in our group thought this was the highlight of the trip. Oh, are you serious? Jason Wren thought this was this the was the highlight, of, highlight his of his trip. He told really? us that he loved it. Wow. Um, other people yeah, thought it, uh, the gardens and walking around Jim and Linda McCormick. Yeah, I mean, walking around the gardens was very, very nice. They loved it. So I yeah, to each his own. I mean, similar to the backstage absolutely. magic. I mean, going backstage, I, I didn't like it. Other people did. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they need to eliminate it. I just think that if you're planning on doing this trip. Unless you, unless the Palace at Versailles is something that you've always wanted to see, is something that is really important for you to see, I would suggest, and Kevin and John are going to talk in a second about what they did, maybe go their route. Um, the, there is a, a restaurant on the grounds at Versailles, and we had lunch there. Um, most people enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. Um, it was certainly... Probably of all the meals we were served on this trip, that was the least impressive to me. I I heard the stories though that you had. It was beyond just not well, to your I, liking. There was some problems with well, what you were served. I uh, what was the first thing I ate that I I just found inedible? Chicken? No, no, no. The beef bourguignon. The beef bourguignon. Um, I found inedible. It was just awful. It was like dog food. Um, and so they brought me chicken. And the chicken was better. Unfortunately, the chicken had been cooked on the same grill where the salmon was cooked. Mm. So I was getting fishy chicken. And once I get that taste in my mouth, my appetite is gone. I don't eat fish. I don't like the taste of fish. Uh, so Our, our that, waiter spoke like three words of English. Yeah, that was the other thing. But, you know, I could deal with all that except, you know, don't serve me fishy chicken. Uh, so I was, did not enjoy uh, I did not enjoy that meal much. Uh, everyone else really liked their meal, though. Now, so, how, how much of your day did you spend in Versailles? It was more than half a day okay. was spent in Versailles. You, you and went that, through the castle, you had lunch, and then you went to the gardens. And that okay. was your Adventures by Disney Day. That was okay. your entire that, You were brought back to the hotel, and the rest was... Oh, wait a second, though. I, you know, we kind of... We, did kind of skip over something we had done the night before. A whole group of us had gone and taken a walk after oh, dinner. Wow. We decided to go take a walk to the Arc de Triomphe and had the best time. Mm. And then we walked down the Champs Elysees after we were done, stopped at a, a cafe, a bar, uh, on a, st- a street side bar, and had cocktails. And oh, wow. It was a lot of fun. That was one of the best nights we had. It, yeah. was, it was great. And uh, so, like I said, you know, as far as the Versailles was concerned, you know, that was a complete wash for me. I could have done without it. But, like I said, Johnny Kevin had come up with their own I had, their own plan. I had kind of planned this before we left, but I well, didn't expect it to go to this extent. Let, let me, me just preface this with something. I had read about this, and I wanted to see Paris. I want there. There's been things that Samantha Brown has talked about. There's things I've read about. I, there were places in Paris that I wanted to go, and your on-your-own time in Paris is measured in minutes, not hours okay. or days. You have 60 minutes here. You have two, 80 minutes here. I wanted to see the Paris that I wanted to see. Yeah. So 
Kevin's having trouble with his knees. We're having trouble walking. Um, I would sort of thought about that day that we weren't going to go to Versailles. I knew there was going to be a lot of walking that day. And in Europe, when you go to these uh, uh, cities, the ground's uneven. A lot of times it's not paved. It's, it's either cobblestone or it's loose gravel. And I knew it was going to be difficult for him. So I had thought, well, let's just do a day where we hop in a cab and go. Well, we had seen the cabs, and they were nothing like London. They were tiny little cars. And for some reason, the the, the traffic, um, the rules in, in Paris are not really rules per se, but mere suggestions of how they should drive. It's scary. They run <laughs> lights, and so it's a little crazy. So I decided the night before that we were going to hire a private car and a private driver hmm. for the entire day. As opposed to a public car and a private driver. Exactly. <laughs> As opposed to getting you know, into a cab or uh, trying to get on a bus or something. So we went to concierge. I actually went to the, to the adventure guides. I didn't guys. know about this. I went to the adventure guides. I told them what I wanted to do. They were incredible. Landon was unbelievable. Within a half hour, he had come back with a bunch of different options for me. You could do this with a guide. You could do this with by the hour. You could do this all day. Had several options for me. I did it through the concierge of the hotel, and it was fantastic. So the next day, we didn't have a guide per se. The, our driver spoke English. Let me put it this way: our driver spoke more English than we spoke French. I would not consider him fluent in English, but he was far better than I was in French. But he wasn't a guide. This was not here. You should see this. This was a gentleman who drove us where we told him to go. And I found out about this, I think, just the night before. Um. We had asked Pete and Walter if they wanted to go. They said they were going on to Versailles. And Matt had expressed that he wasn't interested in going to Versailles. And one of the couples on our trip, they had told us that this was a huge amount of walking at Versailles. And then after the walking, there was you could take a bike ride through the gardens. And if you didn't want to take a bike ride, you could stroll the garden or sit in the garden. Now, I've explained... Well, you could rent a golf cart, which is what we did. Okay, well, I... I, I, I've seen gardens. I, I wanted to see Paris. I didn't want to see gardens. So, and one of the, the, the lady on our trip, Mickey, she had had a hip replacement 11 weeks before the start of the trip. So we asked her if she would like to join us by also. This, by this part of the trip, you could see it was starting to affect her, all of the walking mm, we were doing. Right. She was So we had a minivan that seated um, five people and the driver. It's held six people. So there were five of us in the car. And we got in the car and... He told us, he asked us where we wanted to go. We said, well, let's go see the Arc de Triomphe. And if you've ever seen the Arc de Triomphe, there are eight lanes of traffic in a circle mm-hmm. around the Arc. Oh, well. Insane. Scary. Our driver pulled up next to the Arc de Triomphe and let us out. Wow. Wow. Um, and then went and parked across the street and waited for us. It was like things you see in the movies. Yeah. Uh, so we spent some time there. I had seen on a Samantha Brown special, she went to a bakery in Paris that was 300 years old, Poilane Bakery. Mm. The ovens have been baking for 300, 300 years. 300 years. Upstairs is different, but downstairs, is a, it was from the 1700s. And supposedly the best croissants and the best chocolate croissants in Paris. So we said we wanted to go there. But it's on this little side street and kind of out of the way and really off the beaten path. So... So he knew where all this was? No, no, no. John used his GPS on his <laughs> okay. phone. I, I, I am dreading getting that AT&T bill for my overage. This is why I'm telling you he wasn't a guide. Right. He, his name was Ahmed. 
He was wonderful and sweet and kind. So we would find the address, and he would say, okay, I know where that street is, or we would try to do the, the streets behind us type of thing. We, so we it was went, fun. It was a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time looking for the bakery. It's amazing finally, race. <laughs> finally, he turns around and looks at us and says, are you bakers? Because <laughs> <laughs> no. where do you want to go here? Are you a bunch of bakers? Yes, we're a bunch of bakers on a tour of all the bakeries. So Ooh, we went in. Well, He's Ahmed funny. went in with us. Ahmed went shopping. <laughs> And it was in the middle of this cute little shopping street, Rucher Schmidty. And everybody found something on the street that they wanted. And, I mean, Mickey and John bought something. I bought a really nice leather bag. Well, as I come out, and every, we were sort of waiting for everybody to regather, the, uh, our driver says to me, how did you know about this place? I said, well, I heard about it on television and then read about it. I had decided at one time I was going, because supposedly this is the best bread in Paris. And they ship. So for John's birthday one time, I decided I was going to get him a loaf of this bread from Paris. Well, it was 19 euros for the bread. And now at $1.70, this is fairly expensive bread. To ship it to our house in time for it to be fresh was like 300 euros. Oh, jeez. So needless to say, we waited till we got to Paris to have the bread. So as we come out, he's standing there eating. And he says to me, how did you know about this place? Saw it on television, and I decided I wanted to see. He goes, this is the best bread I've ever had. He was eating croissants with raisins in them. This was really good. And he kept saying to me, and it was only one euro. I'm coming back here. <laughs> so how That's was your the tip. bread? It was really good. The bread was so, great. The croissants were great. This was also sort of our first venture into Paris on our own, quote unquote. We went into shops. We conversed with the shop. Because I, I had read that if you go into a shop in Paris, it's your responsibility to greet the owner because you're kind of walking into their their home, the their guides, shop. The guides tell you that too. Well, we walked in and there were five of us and we walked in with our bonjours ready. And screaming. And the people in the shop, as soon as we walked in, bonjour, welcome. I, you're tourists, right? So they were wonderful. Um, the lady in the, le- the, the shop with the leather bags couldn't have been nicer to us. So after that, we had I had read about an English-speaking bookstore, an English bookstore in the middle of Paris called Shakespeare and Company. It's been around for a hundred years or more, and uh, the oh, the original owner believed that writers were important, and the displays of books in the bookstore are on beds with plywood over them. And it, during the day, it's a bookstore. At night, that plywood comes off, and writers are allowed to live there if they don't have someplace else to live. Huh. Wow. Hemingway lived there for. A couple of months. And if you go online and look up Shakespeare and Company slash Hemingway, you can find a picture of Ernest and his friends in 1919. So we went to Shakespeare and Company. Uh, It's right in the shadow of Notre Dame. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, you went uh, We walked over there, yep. Now, it's also right along the left bank. So we shopped down the left bank quay where they have all the people out. If you go to Epcot, you can see these stalls along mm-hmm. the side. That's what they have out. Uh, we went to a sidewalk cafe at random, and we made a joke that everybody in our party, we ate all of the Easter animals. Somebody had lamb. Somebody had duck. John had rabbit, of all things. I had chicken. So it was delicious, but we had ordered a Diet Coke, and Matt ordered a regular Coke. And the man said, do you want small, medium, or large? Which has never been offered to us any place in Europe. Usually when you get Coke, you get a thimbleful. It's 11 euros, and it's warm. Yeah. <laughs> well, they brought us out this German beer hall kind of stein with a good 48 ounces of liquid in it. And Jeez. stuck to the top of it is a quarter of an orange. 
and stuck in the orange is a Roman candle. Shooting flames about three feet in the air. Oh, I saw my He's not pictures. exaggerating. You saw my Collins yeah. pictures? Okay, now Pete the waiter has a sparkler in his teeth. <laughs> Our Cokes were 11 euros or 12 euros, but you had to wait until the Roman candle died out. And then while you're sitting there eating, you read. Matt was reading the side of the Roman candle and it says, do not allow within four meters of people. And they were just sitting on the table. <laughs> Our food was delicious. After that, we went, we went on our way. And we, again, this driver is sitting there while we're having lunch. Oh, wow. Literally parked a half a block down and leaned against the car. So when we were done, he just... And anything we bought, he would come and take from us and put in the back <laughs> of the van for us. Wow. So after that, we went... Uh, I wanted to see Sacre Coeur, which is the big, huge, white marble church up on the hill, and the outlook over sac- over all of pa- shows all of Paris. Mm. It's the most beautiful view. If you ever see the people pa- uh, sitting on the steps, they're sitting on the steps in front of Sacre Coeur. After that, we went through the Latin Quarter and saw Moulin Rouge. We went to Montmartre. We went to Montmartre to the art festival. John and I bought a cute little oil painting. We told the driver we want to go to the to the art fair. Well, he says that's only on Sunday or whatever day it was, and that's not today. And I said, well, let's just drive around where it is. And sure enough, he kind of bumped into this little, almost seemed impromptu, little art fair that was going on where people were still painting and creating the art. And, and I have to tell you that Montmartre looks like a movie set. You find it hard to believe that this is real. Yeah. It is so picturesque and so quaint, which is a horrible description of it. It looks... It looks very Epcot. Like they set this up for tourists and it people live there. It was incredible. We drove through the Latin Quarter. We, we drove outside of Moulin Rouge. We didn't have any desire to go in it, but we got We took to pictures in front of Moulin Rouge. And then I had read about the pinnacle of gourmet food stores. This is the be all and end all. This is the Tiffany of gourmet food stores in Paris and it's called Fauchon. So we said to them that we had seen it in our, when we were taking one of the bus rides through Paris, and it's on Plaza Madeleine. And I said we wanted to go to Fauchon. So, and the folks that were in the car with us, they were quite willing to go to all of the places we wanted to go. Fauchon looks like a jewelry store with food. It's just the most lavish displays of things. Hmm. And as you're walking around with your mouth open and the chocolates, and they, they're famous for their macaroons. And mm. you think macaroon and you think little lumps of coconut. Mm-hmm. That's not a macaroon in France. A macaroon is two almond cookies. It's actually the original sandwich cookie. Uh, light, fluffy almond paste cookies with different color fillings. And they come in every jewel tone you can imagine and every possible flavor you can imagine. Mm. Well, Matt found... Fauchon makes every year has an eclair of the year. <laughs> okay. So Matt bought everybody in the car an eclair, a 2011 eclair, and we had <laughs> bought some uh, some macaroons. Well, it, unbeknownst to us, if you stand in one spot long enough, someone from Fauchon asks you if you'd like a sample. So I stand there and I'm looking at Matt and John, and they're having this green piece pita conversation. We're standing in front of a wall. Of foie gras. Jars of foie oh, gras. And they're having an ethical discussion about the morality of foie gras. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and they're having this discussion, well, you know, it's not really right. People shouldn't eat it. It's barbaric. You should. It, 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 
you, it was a PETA conversation. I'm right, just telling right, you. Yeah, and they're standing there, and they've decided that it's immoral. And that foie gras shouldn't be allowed. And the woman comes over and says, would you like a sample? And in unison, they both said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't get that delicious duck in my mouth fast. (laughs) She says to them, it has pistachios and bits of dried fruit. And they're like, yes, I want more. (laughs) So it was... It was amazing. I found the jam. Uh, dried meats, anything you can imagine, that, and really expensive. But it was... I found the jam selection, and there were like 20 kinds of jam, and I decided I can, I'm going to take home some jam from Foshan. Well, I stood there for a second, and the man came over, and he said, would you like to try them? And I thought, well, yeah, I would. So he says, pick out the flavors you think you'd like. Pick out all you'd like to try. And I got raspberries with champagne, and a strawberry jam with savory herbs. And I picked out a couple of other different kinds. He went back to his little refrigerator and took out his stuff, brought out this silver-like ice bucket and these little crystal plastic spoons and opened all of the jellies and said, go ahead, try them. And it was incredible. It was just incredible. It was great fun. And that was how we ended our day. We had um, spent about nine hours exploring paris on our own so like i said they definitely did something far better than y'all were in the garden while they were doing all this we were riding in a golf cart we were just driving around Um, just trying to kill time until the day was over it was like and you arranged this driver through the hotel you were staying at actually through the guides i landed on the side and i told him what i wanted to do i said my original thought was we're going to take cabs but looking at the cabs that wasn't going to happen can i get a private car with a private driver and Within a half hour, he came back to me with all these options and what I could do. Sounded well worth it. And it was perfect. And then through the concierge, and they actually let me pay through the hotel. Mm. So I didn't pay them. We paid it through the hotel. I guess the hotel had an arrangement with this company. I've had, I've had, so far, I've had a very good life. I'm a very lucky guy. I get to do some amazing things. And I, I've had some amazing experiences. This probably is the best day of my life. Mm. Yeah, you had said that. You had said that. This was everything I had wanted my experience in Paris to be. I got to go and see and do the things that were on my list on my time. Right. You were in control. Right. Right. And John said to me, nobody else is going to tell this driver where to go. Tell him where you want to go. Right. Oh, how neat. Now, uh, that was also the night, that night. Like I said, that day at Versailles was not high on my list of favorites for this trip. But that night was the night that I can pinpoint where I turned around on Paris. Um, Walter and I, along with Matt, who had been with Kevin and John earlier in the day, and two other folks uh, on our uh, Kane uh, and Karen, um, who had been on our trip, uh, you know, it was dinner on our own that night, and they had some recommendations for some restaurants in the area, and we went to one of them. Had a lovely, lovely meal. Again, very friendly. Service was great. Food was delicious. Um, and uh, Walter was kind of tired and wanted to go back to the room. Kay and Karen were off to do something else. And I wanted to do some shopping. Um, and uh, But it was kind of late. And, you know, wasn't sure what was going to be open. So Matt and I took a walk down the Champs-Élysées. And there's lots of stores in the Champs-Élysées. And, you know, some of them are unique to Paris and some of them aren't. Some of them are stores you can find here. 
and I'm looking for something special. I'm looking for a piece that I can just look at and say, ah, yes, I bought that in Paris, or I bought that, you know, right, Kevin's showing his, his leather bag. Um, and, you know, we're walking, and I'm not seeing anything, and we pass by a Disney store, and I'm like, I just want to see what the Paris Disney store looks like. Filthy. I'm talking there were cigarette butts on the floor. I'm talking that, I mean, the place looked like it. the, the floors had not been mopped in years the walls the paint was coming off the walls it was it looked like a crappy discount store and i was like whoa but just keep that in mind for later on in the trip um so we're walking you know we're walking down the champs Elysees, and we were just not finding anything and matt finally says you know let's cross the street over there let's go see what's over there and we go down the street and it didn't take long for me to realize that where we were was the street where all of the biggest designers in the world have their their Paris their their oh, Paris okay. houses. So it was the house of Dior and the house of Chanel and the house of Valentino. I mean, and I was and and, and these magnificent showrooms. And you know, these are the kind of places where you go in there and buy something. A wallet is going to be five thousand dollars. So yeah. I mean, it's not some place I would shop, but. It was, you know, it was just so cool. And I'm like, wow, this is really neat. And we're looking at all this different stuff. And we're look, walk, walking past the windows. And it didn't dawn on us until we came to the very end of the street. And there was a cafe on our right. And we turned to the left. And there was the Eiffel Tower. We were at the mm. base of the Eiffel Tower. At night, all lit. And we said, okay, we got to sit here in this cafe. Yeah. And just, you know, I got to have this moment. You know, I'm here. And we did. We sat and Matt had a cocktail and I had a coffee, had a couple. Um, and we sat and we talked. And then, you know, I think it's once an hour, um, the Eiffel Tower starts sparkling. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, it looks like, you know, just like sparkling diamonds all over the, all over the Eiffel Tower. And I think I even posted from, on my Facebook page. You know, the view from where I was sitting. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is really, really, really cool. Um, and that, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, that got me. That really got me. And I said, okay, maybe Paris isn't so bad. <laughs> Everyone's been really, really nice. The city is absolutely gorgeous. There is so much to see, uh, and I'm like, okay, I could come back here. I still like London better, but I had an appreciation for – I developed an appreciation for Paris and for Parisians that I definitely did not have mm. on the way in. So our next day – Wait. Okay. I have to cap off my perfect day. Uh, I have to thank Christy Holland. Christy had been doing a great deal of research about what she wanted to see and do in Paris. And Christy came up with a, a, a restaurant and asked John and I if we would like to join her. It's a restaurant, and I'm not good at the French pronunciation. It's Mon Oncle Le Vigneron, my uncle the vintner. And she wrote to me, and she showed me the little article about it, and I read it, and I thought, 
This sounded like immense fun. I'm going to pass around the pictures so you can, guys can see. Um, these are Mike Holland's pictures. So as I talk about it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. We had to get a cab, and we were out in the boonies of Paris. This was not in the tourist area. We were out in the suburbs of Paris. From, where, from our hotel, it was a 45-minute cab ride. And you eat in these people's homes. You sit at their kitchen table. You can see in the pictures that you're literally, their, their, their buffet is against the wall where they get out their uh, dishes and their uh, silverware. And you don't know what you're going to get for dinner. Everybody gets the same thing. The only thing they will ask when you make the reservation is if you have allergies. Uh, I believe it was about 30 euros a person for dinner. This is a husband and wife, and the husband is the chef, and while he's, he's also the host, and while he's seating you, the wife is in the back stirring and preparing and things like that. They spoke four words of French or four words of English, and we had about four words of French. And it was one of the most charming evenings I've ever had in my entire life. The food was spectacular, and we communicated through um, hand motions, charades, <laughs> shadow puppets. And there was a couple in the restaurant who were a little more bilingual than any of us. And she got great amusement out of watching us struggle. <laughs> I have a feeling we were her evening's theater. And every once in a while, the man waiting on us would stop and he would turn to her and he would speak in fluent French. And then she would say to us, he wants to know if you want more bread. At one point, he tried to explain to us what our meal was. They brought us out this beautiful platter of food. It was white rice with some herbs in a gravy and some meat. And he tried to explain to us that most people, and he had no words for this. He finally looked at us and he said, moo. So we said, beef, it's beef. And he goes, no. So he put his hand very close to the ground, like small, small moo. So we said, veal, not veal. So he stood there and he thought and he thought and he thought and he turns around and he picks up a picture of a pig and he goes, oink. So we said, pork. Yes, pork. Well, then he showed us on the pig where the pork came from. It was all done with pictures and hand signals. And we were there about close to three hours. And it was a six or seven course meal. At one point, he said something, and the woman in French, the woman, the French woman who was in there, spoke it in English, and I was so intent on trying to translate what she said, I turned to the rest of the group like they might be a little slow and said, she wants to know if we want more cheese, and John says, you do know she said that in English, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, Kevin's French got so much better. I understood her. <laughs> It was just, it was an experience I've never had before in my life. It literally just, you ate in this, these people's house. It was incredible. So. After the, uh, the only person who I was really rude was the driver who took us out to this place. He wasn't happy that we wanted to go to the suburbs. He was just rude. And I called him a really vulgar name right to his face because he was such a jerk and said to him, no tip. All of a sudden, his English got better. Maps came out. He was friendly. 
So it, it turned out okay. As we were leaving, we said, "Could you?" We they, we had asked for the name of a cab company to come and get us because we were not in the kind of part of town where you could hail a cab. There were no cabs going by. We were in a, a suburban neighborhood, and the woman in the restaurant said to us, "You're going to have to let him call for you. If you call a cab, they're going to think you're joking, and they won't send one out here." If he calls, they'll trust him. This was the kind of place where he sat with us until the cab came. And mm. as the cab pulled up, he came out of the restaurant with us and opened the door. And he and his wife stood there with their arm around each other and waved to us as we left. Oh, How charming. It was, it, was, it was the perfect night to end the perfect day. And it was one of those things that, again, I have to thank Christy Holland for it. It was great. So our next day was um, started out with uh, Notre Dame. The day of heights. It's the day of heights. Um, And uh, Notre Dame is beautiful, but after you see Westminster Abbey, it's quaint. (laughs) I Um, enjoyed it a lot. I'm not saying it wasn't beautiful. I'm just saying that I found Westminster Abbey far more interesting. I thought Westminster Abbey had a lot more history. It had a lot more, uh, you know, there were people, there were dead people all over the place. I mean, it was great. Well, you can also walk to the top of Notre Right. Dame. That was something I wasn't going to do. Now, they tell you beforehand that if you start up, there's absolutely no way for you to there's turn There's no turning back. You cannot stop. It's one way, you're, and you're doing spiral staircases and tight corridors, and you have to keep going. And there was yeah. 422 steps. Right. Oh. Now, the only the thing they don't tell you, which I don't, I don't think they want people to overexert themselves. I thought once you started, you were on the 422, you know, and I was just like, <laughs> I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> so you go, and you're just about to get winded, and there's like a... Uh, um, Landing type of area? No, no, no. There's a gift shop. Yeah. You can oh. go buy a Coke and a donut to make it up to the <laughs> top. Not energy. So you do that, you stop, you catch your breath, then you go, and right when you're about to get winded again, then there's a, an outlet. You can go and walk around. So you take like two, two or three stops before you get to the top, so it really wasn't that bad. Notre Dame how long was, did it take you? I wasn't even paying attention. I think Probably. it was 20 minutes. It was like 20, 25 minutes. And he got spectacular waited. pictures from up yeah. there. He really did. Well, when Wait. you get up there, then you're right next to the gargoyles and everything, and you can see the city. It's, it's really fantastic. Notre Dame is really about the architecture, and also there's the tie-in to you know, the Hunchback movie, obviously, and you stand in front of or you see those you go big see the windows. And the, None of the gargoyles sing, I understand. It was very disappointing. And the Hunchback didn't come out and... Scream Sanctuary. <laughs> 25 or 23 people, however many, climb the steps. I think we're screaming Sanctuary all the way to the top. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, like I said, I mean, it was beautiful and, you know, incredible. Uh, but, you know, it was. There's also the stained glass. You get to sit in front of the, st- the rose window. Okay. Uh, it's, it's beautiful inside. Then uh, we boarded a boat. Uh, for a trip, a bateau bus, huh? A bateau, a bateau bus. bus. Oh, okay. Bateau bus. Well, it was a boat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's it travels up and down the sand, and it's a bus. It's transportation, huh? And but it's a boat. <laughs> oh, okay, the yeah. bus is something that's on the board on the land, and okay. this we're heading to the Eiffel Tower. Floated, so I call that a boat. Okay. <laughs> um, and yes, it took us to the Eiffel Tower. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, just an absolutely stunning, you know, we get off the boat and, and or excuse me, the bus, the bus, whatever the hell it's called. 
He um, did really well in France. <laughs> we get off this thing, and we're looking out the Eiffel Tower. We're taking pictures, and then we hear Kevin scream. Well, would you let me talk? <laughs> we hear this bellowing. I used my big boy outdoor voice. Bellowing so that on the other side of Paris they could hear the word pickpocket. <laughs> Someone had tried to steal Kevin's wallet. Her hand was in your pocket. Right? It was. Now there's this huge from the the Seine, at the level of the river. There's a huge three story or three landing staircase, staircase with no handrail. So I had a cane, and I was taking my time getting up this staircase, and I was intent on, A, not falling. We started out a few minutes early than the right. group. We wanted to make sure we weren't holding the group up, so we started So they up. were all talking about what we were going to do and where we were going to go, and I was on the staircase trying to get to the top, so I didn't, I didn't make the group wait for me. So they knew you weren't chasing anybody. Exactly. Right. They, they yeah. also knew that my attention was diverted, and... Now, Mickey, the lady with the hip replacement, was six, eight steps behind me with her husband. And it felt I was wearing cargo shorts, and I felt the tug on my shorts. And I reached down, and her hand was in my pocket. And she pulled her hand back, and I immediately felt for my wallet. But my immediate reaction was, she's not alone, and the rest of the people are behind me. Well, come to find out, as she had her hand in my pocket, there was a, a man behind Mickey and John who were walking together because John was helping Mickey up the stairs, and there was a man in his backpack. And I did. I used my loudest outdoor voice, and I screamed, pickpocket. Now, there's 24 people 20 feet below us, and all of a sudden, what were there, four or five of them? They kind of slunk down the stairs past our group, and they, they yelled up, did she get anything? No, if she had gotten anything, she would have gotten a cane right upside the head, and she would have gone down those yeah, stairs. Yeah, she also would have been jumped on by about 20 of us. Mm-hmm. Right, everybody's at the bottom of the stairs. So, and then, I'm sorry, go ahead. And then, you know, as, she, as, as she's coming down the stairs, we start and Kevin's pointing and yelling, we all start pointing and yelling, pickpocket, she's a pickpocket, watch her, she's a pickpocket. She was a pro. That's like the body snatcher. She, did, she didn't break a sweat. She just calmly she walked to the run. next. Nope. However, calmly walked away. as we walked towards the Eiffel Tower, they had moved around, and several of our group saw her and her companions in handcuffs. Oh, good. Because someone else had reported them. Oh, good. They, they actually saw them being arrested. I, I saw the people in handcuffs. I didn't know that was that them. was them. Yes. That's what I was told. I didn't see it. This is something that they tell you about. The guides tell you about beware of pickpockets. When you're on the Eiffel Tower, there's a sign that says beware of the pickpockets. So it's not like perhaps there's going to be some. There's going to yeah. be pickpockets. Mike and Christy ran into one. They told us I had never seen this done before because we wear the gold ring. I heard just see, saw you talk about that. And what? what is it? The gold ring scam. I didn't hear. They walk up to you and they say, you dropped this. I found your ring. And while you take the ring to look at it, they're going through your stuff. Yeah. The other thing they do is they come up, with, come up to you with a fake partition. 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 Petition. My voice isn't working anymore. <laughs> to sign. And it's usually something like, we want to make this more handicapped accessible or something. And while you're signing, someone will pick your pocket. They also See have I mean? a fake baby scam. That a woman walks towards you carrying a bundle and trips and drop, goes to throw the baby, and you go to catch it, and someone takes your backpack and is gone. So you, you really be, you have to be aware. 
be very careful this area. And if you're traveling with a group, alert the group. When you go on the elevator to go up, there's only so many, so they really cram them in there. So it would be yeah. pickpockets paradise because exactly. you're crammed in there, and people are all around you. So if someone like moved against you, you yeah. wouldn't think anything about it. Cause it's and so the elevators, what would you say, hold sixty people? Yeah, they're big. Huge, I mean, huge. these are not department store elevators. The elevators are about the size of the room we're sitting in. This is another place where. <clears throat> Going with Adventures by Disney really pays off. People can say, I can get into the Eiffel Tower myself. There must have been a two-hour oh line. God. Yeah. Two, maybe even more. Three-hour oh, line. It, it this line horrible. stretched on forever. And we got we there. We walked our, right in. Our tickets were ready. We walked right in. We got in the elevator, and we were up on the first landing. And that's where we had lunch. Um, and I got upset at lunch, not because the food was bad, but because this was another scenario where we were not given a choice. Um, and it was basically, this is what you're having for lunch. This is something Disney has to stop doing. You can not do this. You cannot call these luxury vacations. If you're going to serve me a lunch and I don't have a choice, that's not a luxury vacation. That's a senior citizen day trip to Atlantic City. And even there, you get a buffet. And that, that bugged me. And then there was the whole thing where, you know, I had a cup of coffee to start my meal. And then I wanted one at the end of the meal. And I was told, no, you had your coffee. You've had your You've coffee. reached really? your hot beverage limit. Can you believe it? And then I said, I didn't want one. So you think the waiter would say, oh, I'll give you his. It was like, no, you've had your quota. That's okay. it. Well, wow. I, didn't, I didn't have a problem with the food. I thought my food was good. I food was good. I uh, didn't even think about the choice. I'm going to be honest with you. I was oblivious to all that. They put bread on the table, and I had been introduced to French butter. <laughs> so I said to the waiter, do you have some butter? And his response was, I don't think so. And walked away. And walked away. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's very French. So I Jeez. waited a little while, and I said to another waiter, do you have any butter? And he looked at me, and he goes, No. And walked away. Now, as he walked away, the first waiter comes up and he drops the butter on the table and he goes, if you're going to ask one waiter, do not ask two. I told you I would get you butter. I said, no, you told me you didn't think you had any. Now, one of the things we found out, though, is in in the French culture and the French language, what Kevin did was he asked, do you have butter? And the proper answer to that is yes or no. Yes, we have butter. Right. What you're supposed to say is give me butter. Is basically in the uh, French. Oh, that's right. They kept saying get whatever the word was was meant. There's not a lot of interpretive dance here. Right. You say what you want. I want butter, or bring me butter. So that was funny. Was and in France, of... that's not considered rude. Okay. So you don't ask. You just say. Give you me don't me ask. Do you have a bathroom? You ask. Where's the toilet? Yes. Now, again, in London, that was a word I don't use. I mean, you don't go into a, a store and say, "Where's your toilet?" In 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 Europe, the you United do. United States. In Europe, I said to this woman in Harrods, "Do you have a men's room?" And she said, "Do you need shoes?" And I <laughs> stood there and I thought, "I don't understand that. I'm lost." <laughs> I walked into Starbucks and I said to the lady, "I'd like two lattes, two mochas with no whipped cream." And she said, "Do you want double cream?" And I thought, "I'm going to have trouble in France. I speak English and I don't know what she's talking about." So it's it's you have to be more declarative as opposed to we kind of couch everything in do you have a restroom and the response is yes it's over there in Paris the response is of course yes idiot yeah, and walked away yeah 
So we have lunch on the Eiffel Tower. Some of us uh, stayed and, and experienced more of the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower is beautiful. However, it's different to see the city on the Eiffel Tower. It's not as spectacular the Eiffel Tower isn't in the in, picture. In the picture, yeah. And, and you yeah. said it wasn't that much better when you went higher up. The well, first only, level was good enough. Right, we only went up one more level. Now, the people who did go all the way up to the top said it wasn't much better yeah. higher up. Now, here's the problem, though. What you realize is once you get on the Eiffel Tower, Adventures by Disney kind of leaves you to your own devices. The line to go from the first level where the restaurant is, the first level off the ground, to the second level off the ground, was about 45 minutes. And we only had a certain amount of time. So we got to the second level, and it's a viewing platform with a very small, very crowded, very hot little gift shop in the middle. But as you walk around, you realize that the line to get back down is 45 minutes. So if you wanted to go to the third level... We had tickets to do that, but you had to walk up a flight of stairs and get on yet another elevator. And the elevators are a little scary because they don't just go up and down. Because of the curve of the legs, the elevators not only go up, they go up sideways. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So I enjoy the Eiffel Tower more from the ground. It's much prettier from out of it. Inside, there's no Eiffel Tower in the picture. Now, our farewell dinner... For now, this is normally the farewell dinner for the trip. Of course, we were leaving the next day for Disneyland Paris, but they kept the farewell dinner intact. So it was our farewell dinner to Paris. Was at a restaurant called uh, La Durée, and this was uh, uh, a quaint little. I almost want to call it a bistro. It's actually, there's a couple of different lotteries. There's one on the Champs-Élysées, which is the main one. We ate in a smaller version of it that's been around since the 1800s. It's sort of got this vaguely Asian-Chinese theme to it. They call it Chenazerie. And it was. It was a small bistro kind of thing. And it was open only for us. So it was just the whole place was to... We had the whole place to ourselves. And again... Superb meal. Now, this is absolutely my superb here. meal. Lottery is famous for their goodies, their macaroons. They also sell different kinds of perfumes, perfumes and things and like that. Soaps. And However, the retail part of this was closed yes. the evening. In my opinion, this was a huge loss of revenue for Lottery and kind of a misstep on this trip because we had been led to believe that if you wanted to buy macaroons, you bought your macaroons at Lottery. Right. Well, what no one told us was you had have to you would have had to have buy them before you actually got to Lottery okay. yeah. because it, they weren't selling none. Any. They weren't selling any. And they had an accordion player uh, there, who was really kind of providing music for us while we were dining in. We have pictures of Walter with the beret and the accordion, which was really cute. I'm walking by and he's like, you want to play? I'm like, no, I have no idea. However, Walter went from, the man playing the accordion looked French. They put the beret on Walter and he looked like Buster Brown from the old lives in a shoe <laughs> kind of thing. He looked like the little Dutch boy from Dutch Boy Paints. It, yeah, it, but it was it was very. So cute. the guy slipped it off. He put one hand on. I mean, then the other hand. So I had it, and it was very. It was. I'm, charming. Making, I'm making stuff up. I'm like, now surely Pete's going to turn around because this sounds so bad. And it took a while for for Pete. To, well, finally, people were like taking pictures, and Pete turns around, and I'm playing the thing, and he puts the beret on, and, and it was so cute. It was. It cute. was cute. It was a it charming. It was so moment. cute. 
and just an amazing, uh, an amazing meal, amazing macaroons. My God, those macaroons were out of this world. After some serious whining. That wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, really? They brought those up because of you? Again, you owe Christy uh, Holland, <laughs> oh, who explained to them in no uncertain terms that they were going to open the retail part of the shop for her. No, the macarons were part of the meal. That was part of something they, they did. Oh, he I said, don't think, yeah, right, right, right. You're going to end the meal with a macaroon. A yeah. macaroon. I think the little box of them were because there was some serious whining going yeah. on. It was, it was just an absolutely spectacular night. It was a perfect way to end. Uh, this magnificent, uh, this magnificent part of the trip, but of course, the next day was uh, our visit to Disneyland Paris, and that will be in our next episode, and that will do it for this part of our trip report. We'll be back with you again next time with another episode of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for listening, folks, and remember, stay out of the damn lakes. <laughs>